In our last episode, we looked at a recent attempt to restrict radically the number of books that can get into prisons in Washington state. As part of putting that episode together, I wanted to talk to someone who has been on the other side, someone reading and trying to get books in jail. And after talking to Chris Wilson, I knew I wanted to do something more than include a couple of sentences from him in that episode. Hence, this one-off special edition of Annotated. And while this episode focuses on his time in prison, you need to understand how he ended up serving a life sentence at age 17. One night, Chris was approached by someone who seemed threatening. After a brief encounter, Chris shot and killed him. He was then convicted of murder and sentenced to live out his natural life in the Maryland state prison system. The story is all too familiar. A black kid growing up in neighborhoods where drugs and crime were the order of the day. A tumultuous and abusive family life. Schools and other institutions that were overwhelmed by the social problems in their communities. Law enforcement and government agencies that were at best unhelpful. And at a crucial moment, a terrible and irrevocable act. Because though society decided to lock him up and throw away the key, Chris was determined that it wouldn't be the end of his story, even if the rest of his story played out behind bars. Hello, my name is Jeff O'Neill. Today in Annotated, how Chris Wilson used books, reading, and a long-range plan to face a terrible reality. Chris wasn't lucky in many ways as a kid, but he caught one break that would help him later, an interest in reading, even if that interest was spurred in maybe the worst way possible. So I, I grew up in a very, very violent, um, tough neighborhood, and there was a lot of rules, and I wasn't allowed to go outside at certain times. There would be shootings or stuff that would be happening. And so the books were a way for me to escape like my current reality. And so fast forward from prison, there's not much to do in prison, really. Like it's, it's pretty structured, though. You know, you can go to school and go to therapy and do like some vocational stuff. But outside of that, it's like, you know, people shooting dice, getting tattoos and like working out. And I just thought back to my childhood and I thought about like the power of education, the power of being able to like pick up a book and let's say like Moby Dick, like to read about like Moby Dick. Like for me, like I was a very imaginative um, kid. I'm still very imaginative. And I would just like imagine myself like right beside the captain who was like adamant about catching this whale or just like all the books that I read, it was just a way for me to ease like the pain of my current realities of being in prison. And so it allowed me to escape. And at first, that was it. Books were an escape, a coping mechanism. They helped pass the time, but they weren't changing the course of Chris's time. And he knew it. He knew that he didn't want to just run out the clock on his life. So he wrote down a plan, a list really, of things he wanted to do, even if they seemed impossible. When I decided to write up the master plan, I knew that it was a lot of work that needed to be done. And so I was aware of the power of knowledge through reading books. But at the time, I wasn't doing it. Because he had time. And he knew he could use it to maybe do some of them. Maybe? But he didn't even know what he didn't know. Namely, how to learn. I've always been a good reader all my life. You know, um, I skipped a grade once in elementary school because I can read really well and conceptualize information that I read. Um, and so I knew that I could do it. And so when I, I wrote up the master plan, I was like, all right, well, I know where I want to go and who I want to become. Let's say like when I'm at age 40, but it's going to require me to educate myself in these fields. And I got to like, you know, regiment like my time and, and, and start crushing books. Chris understood that reading and studying were important, but he didn't have a mental model for what reading and studying really looked like. Luckily, 
there was someone else serving time at Patuxent that was already on the path that Chris wanted to start walking. Steve Edwards was one person who I saw him like reading books every day and he was just like adamant about like his future and what he wanted to do. And so it was just something that like clicked in me. I looked around, I saw people doing push-ups, getting tattoos, people screaming at the TV because someone got killed in their neighborhood. And then I decided, well, this is my place right here. I'm going to surround myself with people like Steven. Steve Edwards came from a different background. His parents came as often as they could to visit, unlike Chris's family, who by and large had moved on. And they supported Steve with books and materials to fuel his interest in computers and computer code. And after he and Chris became friends and study partners, they provided the thing Chris most would look forward to. His family kind of like adopted me. And so they gave me an Amazon monthly budget of like $30. And they would mail me books. So they were able to um, order books from Amazon and books would be delivered to the prison. And I would, they would call me down to the property room and I would get them. And like that would, be, that would be like the highlight of my month, actually, just waiting on that, that next book that I read about in the Wall Street Journal to arrive. Chris spent his Amazon dollars on new books, but Patexon also allowed another point of entry for books. There's this prison, um, like, booksellers, and you can order from it. It was actually really cheap um, prices, and we can order books, and it was, like, the same process. But, like, that was, like, everything. That was the stuff that, like, you know, oftentimes I would lock myself in my cell and just, like, I would sit down and, like, finish a book in, like, one sitting. And then I would have, like, two more books come in. And then they would call me, like, Wilson, property from it. If you like, uh, uh, one more book would drop. And it was just, like, that's how I did my incarceration, just ordering books. And then a group of my friends would do the same thing, and then we would trade books. And that's what led to us starting a book club. This circle of fellow readers formed a book club called The Book Crushers. And it not only gave Chris a supportive circle but it also gave him a taste of what it felt like to help others, to build something and see it grow. At a certain point, Amazon started crediting us uh, books for like, you know, $1,000. It was a credit to grow the book club. And the club is still um, going to this day. And I'm like, <laughs> I've been out of prison seven years. It's still rolling. Chris read hundreds and hundreds of books. But one book became a sort of skeleton key that unlocked the power of what reading and books could be for him. And it's a title that probably doesn't at first blush seem like the kind of book that can change your life. 501 Spanish Verbs. It might be strange for some people why it's the most important book, because I read, I read hundreds of books. But like that book was important to me in a sense because I was teaching myself the language. And it was a tough, it was a tough time in my life around the time when I was like studying Spanish. But it taught me... It, and it was so complicated to me initially, right? But it taught me about resiliency and um, discipline. And I was able to take a language and break it down in small pieces. And I was religious about my studying every day and just like flashcards. And then I was able to master this book, which was like a, a 700 page book. And then I started teaching other people. And so like this book that I will always have and sit down with folks and teaching them the language it just had, had like emotional um, connection like with me, and especially like that experience. I carried that book around and studied it for about eight years. For someone with an enormous and seemingly insurmountable task ahead of him, figuring out how to make his life in prison count, the step-by-step -step approach was crucial. It taught him that doing something big was really more of a matter of doing a lot of small things diligently over a long period of time. And so what I learned was, about discipline and it's like I can learn anything but it's taking complex things and breaking it down in like pieces and like I would spend like a month on just like conjugating a certain tense of verbs in Spanish and practicing but if you think about it right that whole approach 
you can take that with like mechanics, uh, molecular biology, like all kinds of things that you can apply like that mindset to. And so that's why that became my favorite book because it was something that was seemed so complicated, but I just was patient and I took my time and I studied it. But a, a person can apply that to anything. Chris took it beyond studying and reading. He applied it to his life in prison. He started inmate-led committees to try and improve conditions and safety. He started tutoring others. He enrolled in community college. He took advantage of every opportunity that was there, and he created new ones, both for himself and for other inmates. But more than a class or a program, what Chris tries to pass on is a mindset. But it goes back to like the point of whenever someone is in prison, and it's a bad thing, but you can take that bad situation and turn it into an advantage. Because like the, your advantage is you got time. You can't go anywhere. You, you're not going to be watching your favorite shows and like and just like hanging out with your friends. You can't do it. And so you got time. Use that time to build knowledge, which no one can take from you. Education, reading, knowledge, all that stuff. It reduces recidivism. Um, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. And, and it changed me. And once I started reading and I got into college and, and just started like continuing my education, even after I graduated, like I kind of like woke up, I understood like how the world worked and, and I felt bad for what I did. And I was like, I wish everyone else could have the opportunity to see a power in this stuff because nobody can take, like you learn something in a book, nobody can take what you learn from you. It's power. That's power right there. And it's a power that can make the powers that be uneasy. And Chris saw this firsthand. I mean, I got in trouble once. You know, it was all kinds of like books they would look at when they would come to the property rooms. Like, why are you reading about this? They just would screen it. And it was, it was similar to um, what's going on in like Seattle. Like, and that's why I started covering the books. Once you start thinking like it becomes dangerous. But there was one book. I can't remember like the name of it. Actually, it was like a couple of books that had came through. And I got called around by like the intelligence person in the prison. And it was, why are you reading stuff like this? Like, this is like military history. It was like the the French Revolution or whatever, like in the early like 1800s. And I was like, dude, I take six months and I pick an area in history and I, I read everything. I read the history, I read the military, the politics, um, novels, whatever. I just read stuff. And they were, they were just so perplexed. Like, what are you working on? Are you planning something? And I was like, why can't I, like, what is this? Like, I'm not acting up in the prison. Why can't you, like, let me like, just read my, let me read whatever I want to read. And it was like, no, you, you can't read whatever you want to read. You're in prison. And so it was strange. And so, like, th that incident, I just started covering my books. So I got them out of covering. I just didn't want to draw any attention to myself. But, it, but like, once I'm, old, I'm older now, right, so I understand, like, what it really was. And it's like, they're running a business. And they also afraid and getting them, like, to wake up and, and, and read. And, like, and then it's like, oh, damn, we can't keep our beds filled because these brothers just woke up. And Chris woke up, too. But it was only after he got his life sentence modified down to 16 years that he knew just how asleep he had been. And it was books that helped him navigate the transition from prison to regular life. It was a book, How to Talk to Anyone, written by Leo Loudis. And so folks would tease me in prison about, like, what you don't know how to, like, talk to people? It's like, what's up? And laugh. And it's like, well, I went to, I came here young. I was 17 when I came in. And I want to figure out, because I know, like, the most important thing of, if, of getting anything done in business or, or whatever field you're in, it's like the power of relationships and communicating and being able to articulate yourself, right? So I started studying it. And it was, I mean, it was simple things, right? That like I learned in that book. I read the book twice. And I made it a mandatory read in my book club. It was simple things that I learned. And, and it was tons of stuff. It was like 90 something um, things of like when you meet someone, listening, 
for something like personal, like about that person, and did they tell you or whatever, or ask questions and stuff like that, and then you remember it, you write it down on the card, and then when you follow up, you might ask like, hey, how that surgery work out like with your um with your sister? Did things work out? And they just like, oh, you you were paying attention, you actually like remember. And so I learned a ton of things from like that book. If learning about the basics of interpersonal communication was eye opening, reading and thinking about power as power was a revelation. I also had to put a cover on this book so people wouldn't know what I was reading. Now I don't agree with all the principles because it's, it's um, some of the stuff in there is like pretty Machiavellian. Robert Greene's uh, 48 Laws of Power. The importance of reading that book is that it shows you how the world works. You don't have to do everything in there, but it allows you to identify it. And it's like Neo in the Matrix when Morpheus gave him the option and he woke up and he was able to see the code. And it's like, you may not like what you see, but you see everything that's going on around you. It all makes sense. It's all code, right? And so that book was like that. It allowed me to like look at my landscape and navigate it in a way that allowed me to stay out of trouble, um, to see people's intentions. But also there was also, I mean, I quoted some stuff from Robert Greene in my book, was like the ultimate reward is being able to mold yourself and, and, and work on yourself as like a piece of art. And I talk about this today because when I was younger, growing up, I mean, like I knew right from wrong, and but like my, my elders would, when they would be around me, they would say, you know, you need to start your own business or you need to get a job or you need to just figure out how to do this. But like no one, no one ever showed me or sat down with me to show me like how to do any of these things. In his time after getting out of jail, Chris has tried to do just that, show people who, like him, may not have known what was possible. Books and reading didn't do it alone, but they were stepping stones on his path, a path that led him to be an example to precisely the people who might need it. To close his book, The Master Plan, he tells a story about an encounter where he comes face to face with someone who just a couple of nights before had pulled a gun on him and threatened him. Chris talked his way out of it, and said that the man should look him up online. And a couple of lights <clears throat> a couple of nights later, Chris saw him again and approached him, his hands in the air to show he wasn't armed. And here's what he said. I've been where you are. At 17, in a similar situation, I made a mistake. I pulled a gun and took a life. They sentenced me to die in prison with no real shot at parole. It took me 16 long, hard years to get my life back. I just want to tell you it isn't worth it. Don't make my mistake. The man nodded to this and said, I Googled you. I like what you're doing. When I mentor folks or when I'm helping folks who mentor other people, and I say, get them in the habit of doing it, even if they don't like it, even if they're faking it, at least like 30, 40% of it, at worst case scenario, is going to rub off on them. So it's worth it. <laughs> this episode was written and produced by me, Jeff O'Neill, sound editing and design by Kyle O'Neill. My thanks to Chris Wilson for talking about his experience with books and reading while in prison. Please consider trying his memoir, The Master Plan. I'm still thinking about it months after reading it, and I bet you will too. Until next time, read something great.